Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I thank God for it. Yes, Lord. Amen. I thank God for Pastor T. Amen. Amen. With the Lord placed on our heart. Amen. To pray for us. Amen. Hallelujah. And on this Sunday, amen, I, I, I just give honor to each and every one of you. Amen. And I thank God for the word that he's given me on today. Amen. He's given me the title. Amen. My worship is for real. Amen. My worship is for real. Amen. All this week, all of this week, amen, I thought the title was going to be something different. I just began to... Um, I just began to hear the word presence. Amen. Presence, presence, presence. Amen. And in my reading, even in Bible study, it came up across the slide. A verse came up and it had, amen, the tent of the Lord's presence. Amen. And that has just been sitting with me all week. I've been just saying, Lord, I need to get in your presence. I need to get. So I thought that was going to be the title. But last night, amen, he switched it to my worship is for real. Amen. It's a, and I feel like I'm about to be all over the place, but that's okay. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Because I want to talk about so much. I want to talk about, amen. I want to talk about church hurt. I want to talk about, amen, just being where the Lord is. I want to talk about realness, amen. I want to talk about what real worship is. That's why I said I feel like I'm about to be over the place, but that is okay. Holy Spirit, have your way. You have free reign in this house. You have free reign. With me on today, amen. But in my preparation of studying, I and I began to study the the tent of the Lord presence. And it's a term in the Old Testament. It's mostly used in the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Number. And it's the place where God would meet with his people. Right? Usually, um, this tent, another name for, for it was the tabernacle of Moses. But before the tabernacle was even built. It was just simply a tent. It was just simply a tent where a tent where Moses would go to meet with the Lord. And the first question that I want to pose to the congregation is, where's your tent of meeting? And I know you might be thinking that I'm talking about where did you go, like your prayer closet or where did you go, your car, wherever, some external spot where you go to sit with the Lord and chill and meet with God and read and get a word. But what I'm talking about today is so much bigger than that. Um, I was challenged several, several times this week, not by a person, but by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just challenged me. And when I say the Holy Spirit challenged me, things start to happen to make me consider whether my worship was real or not. This your pastor talking to you. And so if you're not getting challenged on a daily basis that make you consider, do I really know this God that I say I'm serving? I would say something is wrong. The Holy Spirit should be challenging you each and every day to be better, to be closer to Jesus, to get to, to get more of him, more of his presence, more of his power. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Right. It corrects us. It cleans us up. I was I was challenged several times this week and not confronted with whether I was saved or not, but just whether or not my worship was for real. And whether I was whether I was serious about tearing down idols in my life. And so the, the first I, I want to share these events with you. The first event was um, 
Last week, I scheduled to meet with uh, a, a co-worker, well, not a co-worker, somebody that worked downtown um, in, the, in the curriculum department. And we were going to meet we, where we met for breakfast at 7 a.m. And when I pulled up, I was looking for the car that he's normally in, but he was in the car. So I was like, is he here yet? And as I was start looking around, I looked and he was he was talking to a homeless man outside of Exuk, like in deep conversation with him. And I and, and something in me, as I was got out the car, I was like, would you have like the Holy Spirit said, would you have done the same thing? Would you have took the time to go talk to that man? And I like I walked up on the end of the conversation, but the Holy Spirit said, would you have took the time? to do the same thing? Or would you have just walked into eggs up and went on with your appointment? And so I saw him over there talking. I got over the, out of the car. I went over because that's where he was. Shook his hand, shook the homeless man's hand. Stayed there for less than a minute. He ended the conversation with the man. We went on in the eggs up. But that struck me because I'm telling y'all, I probably would have went in the eggs up and went on with my business. Because we live in a world, we see so much stuff that we become numb to it, and we just like, mm. like, or you will say a quick prayer in our head, but we won't take the time to actually engage. And then the second event was, I'm going to be a bitch, I'll say, another, a lot of stuff happened in the past at the barbershop. But at the barbershop, amen, at the barbershop, the barbers just all talking, and one of the barbers he has a group of friends, but they do things in the community. And he basically was talking about how a church approached him. They said, we want to partner with you to help you do these things in the community. But basically the church said, but we don't want to go to that neighborhood. We want you to bring the people to the church. And the guy basically said he declined the offer to partner with the church because he just felt like, Y'all want us to go out there and do the work and then bring the people to you. Why are you not doing the work? And so I know that I, you know, I, I don't have a problem going anywhere in the city of Albany. But the part that convicted me is the part of me that sometimes when you are in certain parts of the city or you are around certain groups of people, you have that uneasy feeling. As if like, like I'm going to get robbed. I'm going to get whatever. But like Pastor T was saying, God did not give us the spirit of fear. And so God was just all just checking to see if my worship was for real. It's these type of situations that define whether our worship is for real. Do you worship the real God on today? It's real easy to get cute to dress up, to go to church, and to be around people that's like you. It's real easy to come and be and sit in the air conditioner and look at the screen and sing our little songs and do whatever we gonna do with people that we know that are like us. Amen. But is your worship really for real? Like, will you really lay down your life for your brethren? Will you really sacrifice your life to serve God? Will you really put yourself on the back burner? Will you really put your money where your mouth is? 
When you really put your time, your effort, your energy, your all, your worship into this walk. And so the verses I'm going to use, the verses that God has given me today to use and me to talk about worship is Exodus 32, 33, and 34. And I'm going to be jumping around, so there's no, there's no need to stand. But I want to start in Exodus 32. I want to start in Exodus 32, and in Exodus 32, this is where they build the golden calf. The chapter starts off by saying that Moses, he had gone up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and he was delayed. And while he was delayed, the people said, we don't know what's going on with Moses. He's brought basically, he's brought us out here to this wilderness to die. And he's left us and gone up on his mind, and we just die here not knowing what's going to happen next. And they asked Aaron to build them a golden calf, and that's what, that's what Aaron did. He collected all of the gold, he melted it down, and he turned it into a golden calf. The word says that the people had turned aside. They were happy to have this golden calf. They were happy to have this idol. They was like they was having church, but God went there. Right? When they didn't know, when they when they were too impatient to wait on God and to worship for real, to get some real instructions, they were too impatient to get some real instructions and to worship for real, they made their own God and said, we'll just have church this way. And they began to party. The word says that they turned aside. They swerved off of the way. Right. God, at that point, God tells Moses, you got to get down there. They, 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 they going crazy. You got to get down there. Matter of fact, he even had a conversation with Moses about destroying them and just starting over with Moses. But Moses began to plead. He began to plead with God. Like, God, turn your anger away from these people who are not worshiping you for real. He appealed to God, right? Not because he felt like God owed him a favor, but he appealed to God for God's name's sake. He said, God, if you destroy him, then Egypt is going to turn around and be like, look, he's saving for nothing. How many of y'all like, well, how many of y'all want somebody to say like, for, for, how would you feel if I said that about you? God, you're the same missionary I'll take you for nothing. You done saved Sister Esso for nothing. You done got him out. You done pulled him out of tribulation after tribulation after tribulation for nothing. Because they don't want to worship for real. Moses said, God don't do that because you're going to call people to speak evil of your name. Egypt is going to think that you can't really save for real. That you can just temporarily deliver. But you can't produce real worship in people. Lord, I thank you. Moses comes down off of this mountain carrying the Ten Commandments. And I read something in the 17th verse that was so interesting to me. All that I read, I can't preach, but it was so good to me. That 17th verse says that when they were coming down off of the mountain, Joshua is with Moses. This is a young Joshua. Joshua is with Moses. He said, it sounds like war is going on down there. He sound like they fighting, like they battling down there. And that's very interesting because we know that when we get to the book of Joshua, 
and they marching around Jericho. Now that, that's how Joshua can really understand what a war cry is. Right? Because he has heard, right? He has heard what fake worship sounds like. See, real worship tears down strongholds and walls. Fake worship, it, 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 it has the appearance, right? It has the appearance that they, they, all these folks in church, they ballot, they making a joyful noise. They, they right, the spirit is moving, right? But strongholds ain't breaking. Fruit ain't being produced. Ain't nobody getting saved. Everybody's still walking the same, right? But this is a young Joshua. He really don't understand where real worship is yet. So that's why God had him watching what Moses was going through so that when it was his time to leave, he would understand where real worship is. Exodus 32 and 18 says, right, Moses turns to Joshua. He says, that's not the voice of them that shout for mastery. That's not what it sounds like. That, that, that what you hear is not what it sounds like when strongholds are falling. That's not what it sounds like when you're fighting the enemy. It says, the, the verse says, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. That ain't even the voice of somebody that's pleading for my help. That's not a cry of somebody that wants me to, to rescue them. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. They dying and having a good time. They just singing and making noise. That's not the sound of somebody in need. That's not the sound of worship. Lord, I thank you. Half the stuff that we are facing, half the battles that we are fighting, have nothing to do with us fighting for holiness. Half of the stuff that you worried about don't have nothing to do with holiness. Half the stuff you worry about have to do with you. It's what you want. It's what you want. It don't have nothing to do with overcoming. Nothing to do with overcoming. Right? Lord, I thank you. All of the stuff, most of the stuff that we're fighting and we're battling is the consequences of our idol worship. All the stuff you're struggling with is a consequence because you've made something bigger than God. You've taken something and made a golden calf out of it. Moses comes down off of that mountain. He has taught God out of his anger, and he comes down out of the mountain, and he throws them Ten Commandments. What in the world is going on? He throws those Ten Commandments. He destroys the calf. He makes the people drink the dust. He grinds it. The words that he grinds it to powder and makes them drink it. Dealing with your sin is a bitter pill to swallow. When God make you drink the consequences of your sin, it don't taste good. It don't taste good to be shamed. It don't taste good for the covers to be pulled. But if you want, if you want to get where God is, if you want to worship for real, covers got to be pulled. And you're going to have to swallow the pill that you done messed up and you done swerved off the path and you've made something into an idol. Lord, I thank you. He destroys that calf. He turns to Aaron because he left Aaron in charge. His brother, he turns to Aaron and he was like, what in the world did you do? Why did you do this? And Aaron all scared said, the people made me do it. You know, you know, how, you know how these people are. We've been wondering. They've been complaining and murmuring. I had, basically, I had to do something to shut them up. And that is the problem in most churches. 
we allow unreal worship to go on to keep the people happy. Not to ruffle no feathers, to make sure the membership stay up, to make sure the tithes and offering still get paid. Let me tell y'all something, my worship is for real. It would be much easier for me not to be pastor than to be pastor. You know how much time I could spend on myself and just say I'm going to read my Bible all by myself than to try to shepherd a flock? My worship is for real, so if I'm going to be pastor, I'm going to pastor for real. I'm not going to allow you to be comfortable. I'm not going to allow you to sit in your sin. I'm going to call you out. I don't care what type of sin it is. Whether it's fornication, adultery, greed, lust, homosexuality, whatever, lying, I don't care. It's all the same. Because my worship is for real. Right? The word says, as he's questioning Aaron, and he says he saw that the people were naked. Let me tell you something. Sin strips you of all your dignity. You might as well be running around here naked showing all your stuff because when sin get a hold of you, it's going to make a fool of you. It's going to expose you. It's going to embarrass you. And see, Satan don't care about you being embarrassed. Then Satan, he takes that embarrassment, he takes that guilt, he takes that condemnation and tries to make you think that you can't be saved because he wants to destroy you. He wants to steal your mind. He, he wants you to think dementia coming from you. And that's what I was telling my wife last night. I say all of that stuff is a product of not dealing with your stuff when you had a chance. Pastor Carter used to say, when your mind is gone, then what you going to do? You better start dealing with your stuff. And I would be a piss poor pastor. Not to address your stuff. Not to address my own stuff. Seeing strips people. After all of this, Moses said, look, choose a side. Choose a side. After the people chose a side, he told the Levites, get your sword. And they end up dealing with about 3,000 men who chose idol worship. But then the word says he also returned to God to ask for repentance for the others. So let, let, me, let, me, let me put this into perspective from y'all. The 3,000 men that end up using their lives, they had made up their mind that they're not going to turn. The other people who were probably down there partying too, probably repented. That's all that God is asking you to do today. He's not saying be perfect right now, but he is saying choose a side. And if you're going to make up in your mind that I'm going to do what I want to do anyway, you're going to be destroyed. Or you can repent. And let God start working on you and your stuff. So 3,000 men died. God returned. And, they, and this, this part struck me so much, y'all. Moses returned to God and said, God, after he had dealt with people down there, he went back up the mountain and said, God, they done messed up bad down there. As if God didn't already know. They done messed up bad down there. He said, God, please spare him. And he said, if you're not going to spare him, just go and blot me out. Just take my name out of the book of life. Why would Moses say that? Because if 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 if, if that ain't if, if saving souls ain't the reason, then what am I doing this for? I might as well not exist if worship ain't gonna be for real. 
See, that's the thing. As, as, as devotion was going on, I was thinking, I'm like, Lord, you can take me right now. I'm ready. I'm going to let that see it. And I'm not playing about that. That's how much I love him. There's no fear. There's no, there's no fear of death in me. If he ready for me, come get me. Y'all might be saying, no, no, daddy, no, 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 uncle, no, husband. But if he ready for me, come get me. Because my worship is for real. Moses like, because if, if, if not, if, if all of this is like, what am I going through this process for? What am I, what, what am I here on this Sunday pretending for? If it ain't going to be for real. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Exodus 32, 31 through 35 says, And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, All these people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou forgive their sin, if not, block me, right? Block me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out my book. Y'all better, better stop playing with Jesus. And when I say make your worship real, I'm not talking about showing up to church. I'm talking about when it's just you all alone. When the Holy is the Holy Spirit convicting you of anything. Anything. Is the Holy Spirit convicting you of anything difficult? That's going to cause a sacrifice in your life that's going to pain you a little bit. If that means cutting off mama, cutting off children, cutting off friends, cutting off relationships, keeping your legs closed, putting down that bottle, selling that teeth, whatever it is, leaving that job and walking out on faith, whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit is not convicting you of anything, that's calling you to a higher worship in Christ. I don't know what God you serve. God told Moses 34th verse, therefore now go lead the people unto this place which I have spoken of thee. Behold, my angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Let me tell y'all, whatever you do, it's coming back. It's coming back. Even when God spared your life, the consequence of what you did is coming back. And when you refuse to turn and you, you stay in that sin longer, you just added more consequences to the stuff that's coming for you anyway. When you gonna learn that Jesus is and, and God is nothing to be played with, He says, nevertheless, the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf. Some of the men lost their life. Others lived, but God ain't forget. He had forget that he didn't forget that they built that calf. Throughout the history of God's people, God constantly has been trying to get us to understand worship, and they kept getting it, and we keep getting it wrong. So much of scripture is a symbol of how we are supposed to worship. I heard Pastor T explaining to Josiah this week. Josiah asked her, is God real? She said, yes. 
He said, I can't see him. She said, do you see the wind? He said, no. He said, she said, do you feel the wind? He said, yes. Right? Is the wind real? Yes. God is real. Even though you can't see him, God is real. You can feel him. So much of nature is a symbol of how we should worship, how we should trust. And so by the time all that golden calf stuff happened, by the time we get to the 33rd chapter, we see this tent of meeting, and we see that the tent is outside the camp. God say, I can't build my place of worship in there. I can't, like, I can't. My place of worship got to be out somewhere. I can't be where y'all are. Because there's something in y'all heart that ain't right. If you want to worship, you're going to have to come find me. And see, that's our thing. We so many times, we want God to come where we are into our mess, right? How about you guys take a step of faith outside of your mess and try worship? My worship, it resides outside of the camp, right? The, 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 the tent of the Lord's presence resided outside of the camp. Because God refused to come into the camp because the people were out of order, were out of order. Worship starts outside of the camp. Church hurt. Church as a production. Church as a business. All that's a golden calf. Real church happens outside of these four walls. And yes, I'm talking about 3PD. Real church happens outside of these four walls. Real church happens when you're in your house. Real church happened in your marriage. Real church happened with your children. Real church happened on your job. Real worship happens outside of the camp. So God had this tent outside of the camp, and there was no access if it was sincere. Only Moses could go in the tent. I have in my notes that we got to stop mistaking relationship with mercy. Some of y'all think y'all got relationship with God because God shows mercy. Some of y'all think y'all got relationship because he blessed you with a job or he blessed you with a spouse or he blessed you with a whatever. He gave, he gave you something. So that God, since that got to be God, then I got relationship with God. Stop confusing relationship with grace and mercy. The Bible say it rain on the just and the unjust alike. Why you think wicked people can get blessed too? Cause that don't like why you why you think they can get money or get house or get married or, or live certain lives that we call blessed and still be wicked. We know in the end that God is gonna deal with that, yeah. right? And why do you think a holy person can be poor and struggling and look like God? Like God, where are you if this is your child? Because God ain't looking at that. He's looking at your heart to determine whether you're a real worshiper or not. The same way that he, he anointed David as king, the son that looked least like a king. He said, I look not on the outer appearance. I look on the inner appearance. As the Lord was talking, as God was talking to Moses in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, the word says, the Lord passed by him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance and goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and they that by no means, and that by no means will clear the guilty. Let me tell y'all, 
God is going to have grace and mercy. He forgive sins and transgressions, but he is not going to clear you if you're guilty. He is righteous. He is just. For a long time, access to God was limited because of sin. Only a select group of people could serve in the tabernacle or the temple. Only a select group could go in. But when Jesus came and what he did on the cross, because of his life, death, and resurrection, it gives us access to the throne. But let me tell you something. Just because you have access to something, don't mean you're going to take advantage of it. Just because it's a sale at Target this Sunday, don't mean you're going to go to Target this Sunday and use the sale. You might play around and say, I'll go next week and the sale is up. Just because you have access to something does not choose, does not mean you're going to choose to accept it. Y'all remember the parable when Jesus was like, I got a banquet and he invited all these people and they didn't show up and he said, go to the street. He said, go to the street and bring them in. And so I want to end with these verses. I'm coming in, JJ. I want to end with these verses. I started with the question, where's your tent of meeting? And I told you that it is not an external spot. Y'all, it's an internal spot. In the Old Testament, it was a tent of meeting that everybody didn't have access to. You had to go through somebody else. They had to make a sacrifice for you. They had to help clear up your sins. But because of Jesus' work on the cross, if you accept Jesus, now you can go through the throne. He made a one and a lifetime sacrifice for you if you accept him. So in 1 Corinthians 3 and 16, and I'm going to be reading several verses that kind of say the same thing, but I want this to like seep inside of you. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Your tent of meeting, your place of worship where you're supposed to be able to talk to God, is supposed to be inside of you. The Holy Spirit, right? Now if you go read in Exodus, it says the cloud, the pillar, will come and sit in the front of the tent. But now the Holy Spirit will dwell on the inside of you. Romans 8 and 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If your worship is not for real, you don't belong to the Lord. And your worship is not for real if the Holy Spirit does not reside. I know these sound like words, but I'm so serious.
last thing that I'm going to say to y'all is, um, and Pastor T kind of spoke to this in her prayer. The, the main difference in almost any other religion in Christianity is Jesus. If you go to the Jehovah's Witness website, don't just do around. Go to jw.org. Go to their site and see what they say about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. They do not believe that he is God. Go to a Muslim website, whatever the official, I don't know what they, but they got an official like Jehovah's Witness. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not believe in the Trinity, that the Holy Spirit is God. Why is that important? Because I believe that God died for me. Not a regular man, but God himself died for me. And that is what makes worship for real. Right? And that is why they don't worship Jesus because Jesus didn't. He just a man that died. God, God, God the Father sent a person to be the sacrifice. But I believe that God sent himself to be the sacrifice. Now, y'all tell me which one of them is more worthy of worship. If I send Brother Roosevelt to do the work for me, or I do the work myself, which one of those is more worthy of honor and worship? Y'all got to understand that. Your family's lives depend upon that. Your children's lives depend upon that. Your life depends upon that. And not only am I talking about other religions, you better make sure that you are not in a congregation where there's golden calf worship going on. Make sure that the worship is for real. Amen. Amen. I'll come on and give the Lord a hand. Thank you.